Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. What's happening, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Barroom Network. We are streaming live on YouTube right now, and you can check out all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes. If you want the audio-only versions, remember to follow us on social media. Follow me at The Real 11 Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed, and follow the Barroom Network at Barroom Network. Thanks to our boy Aldo for producing and directing. And how are you fresh off your Schittsburg vacation? What's going on, Mister yeah, Reed? Is it, is it really a vacation if you go to uh, Pittsburgh? No, I'm just playing. It's listen, the <laughs> the people of Pittsburgh. Shout out to them. Amazing hospitality. The stadium is top three I've ever been in in my life. PNC Park. They were nice. great people there. So I, I appreciate my I appreciated my time there in Pittsburgh. I, I didn't think I was going to have as much fun as I did. There you go. Checked out uh, the Clemente Museum, baseball museum, and all that. Yeah, did all the things. Yep. You. Some good weather too. Excellent. Well, we have a lot to get to on the show today. We're talking Bears to lead off the show as we're two weeks away from the draft. We'll talk about, of course, a potential trade, maybe. All these these mocks are getting crazy and stock up, stock down on the offensive lineman. If you follow Ross on Twitter, it's there's been some movement as far as that goes. And any other news in the draft? I know that uh, there was 17. Guys confirmed, players, young men confirmed to go to the draft in Kansas City. Jalen uh, Carter being one of them and four quarterbacks. All the top quarterbacks are going to be there. So like, subscribe, tell a friend or two. Remember, you can chime in on the comments as well as we'll be talking about the NBA at length uh, as well. Midway through the show, the Bulls pulling out a thriller. The 10 seed in the play-in game. Uh, beating the Raptors. We'll dive into that and how nuts of a comeback that was and talk about the rest of these playing games that have been pretty good and previews for the rest of the playoffs that'll start up later this weekend. I, I love this time of year. We've got a lot going on with the uh, NBA playoffs and baseball here, and we got our fake summer in Chicago. Surprises along the way, and it's our one-year anniversary on the Barroom Network. Look at us. Who'd have thought? How about it? It's the, uh... Oh, you're too kind. Kind. What's the one year anniversary? Is it is it wood? Excuse me? <laughs> you hear what I said? It's the <laughs> one year anniversary gift. Well, you're giving me wood? Uh nope. That's for somebody else in your life. That's it, I'm <laughs> out of here. What the fuck are you talking about, Ross? Find <laughs> yourself. It's, it's anniversaries by year. So they have a certain year, you get like certain things. I'm looking it up right now. I mean, nobody abides by this stuff anymore, but it, it certain themes for certain anniversaries. You're about to have a one year anniversary in like a few months down the road. You you should know these things by now. Well, this is good to know. What is wood? You don't take them out to dinner. You give them a piece of wood. You're supposed to give them, yeah. <laughs> what kind of wood? Sandalwood? Driftwood? Oh, no, maybe Bark? it's maybe it's paper. I'll I'll, I'll find it. <laughs> Aldo, Aldo, we're gonna need you to chime in as well. I don't yeah, know Aldo, Aldo will look it, look it up for us. <laughs> but it's like different things it's like wood it's glass it's paper you have to give somebody a theme based upon that year so if you're married for say 60 years is there a theme for every year is this list somewhere yeah you just give them a hello because that's 60 years <laughs> you probably are barely even talking see it's paper Shit. right see <laughs> so like origami i'm <laughs> this this is some wild shit i'm learning something new every day on this show know that? Who's i know that Never heard of it. I've only been married less than a year, so I guess <laughs> I'm ready, ready to learn at some point, man. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, cotton next year. Oh, look at this. Cotton. 
Um, wow. as, one, as one black guy, to, I imagine you cotton. That sounds racist. <laughs> uh, I'm not getting you cotton, Ross. That's not happening. But, but we'll, uh, we'll make it rain this weekend, I guess, for our one year anniversary in honor of the paper. Uh, hilarity aside, let's dive into it. Let's talk about the Bears to begin the programming here. And Ross, you were talking about a potential trade down with with Pittsburgh. You floated that out there. And, you know, where the Bears sit right now, I think everybody is certainly still in the mindset. We're talking in the pre, pre-show about the Bears' glaring need to bolster this offensive line and think about the future for Justin Fields and, and this great young wide receiving core that they have and and keep paving lanes for the running game, which was best in the NFL last year. So it looks like a tackle for sure. But you were talking about this potential trade with Pittsburgh. Give us, paint us the scenario, will you? Yeah, I mean, listen, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of rumors out there, and there are a lot of rumors out there from some some people in the know that you know potentially uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers would want to move up into the draft. Uh, they also covet a offensive tackle, uh, somebody that they're going to be able to maybe uh, put around Kenny Pickett. Um, as you know, they they also have been the the wide receiver uh, team the last couple of years. They, they drafted Pickens last year, but then they traded Claypool. They have Deontay Johnson that they just paid last year, but maybe that's a spot for you know a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigma or Quentin Johnson or something like that. But it sounds like the, the Steelers want to move up. I think that they want to move up to get one of those offensive tackles, and you know it's likely probably a guy like um, like Paris Jones Jr or Broderick Jones, or they might even like a guy. I, I can see them uh, looking for a guy like, like, you know, Peter Skaronsky, but their offensive line is a mess. It's been a mess for years since, uh, um, you know, uh, Big Ben was there. Who well, I got a bone to pick with this today. Um, ever since Big Ben was there and um, they need to solidify that offensive line, you know, a lot more. And if they want to move up, uh, they, they certainly, they can. They would put their their mid round pick on the table that they have at number seventeen, and they would probably, as ironically as it sounds, give number thirty two back to the Chicago Bears. Right? We got we gave them that thirty two overall pick for the Chase Claypool deal, and you know, listen, Ryan Poles has preached about trying to get value in this draft and trying to stockpile picks. The Bears have a lot of holes, but you know, one of these tackles that we're going to talk about in a minute. I think there's a guy that he might like that might still be there at 17. If you can move back a little bit and still get your guy at 17 and then add yet another second round pick, that sounds like a home run to me for the Bears. Interesting. And and I know you talked about it. Certainly a, a guy whose stock has risen up is, is Darnell Wright. If it was to stay that way, it, it's interesting to think about, you know, from that trade perspective, you, you thought of the Bears again, making a move at this point, uh, just not content to maybe pick on, uh, ninth overall but maybe get a couple picks in that first round uh because there's a lot of needs too you look at the skill positions and i'm just looking at around the league how there have been so many mocks at this point um the bears potentially looking at a guy like jackson smith and jigba who i know the bears are going to meet with and i know justin fields former teammate and he's the best wide receiver out there hard to pass up you know if you're at nine there's going to be some tough decisions obviously to be made not only at the tackle position if you were to go that route because a large part of the NFL population thinks that it's going to be Paris Johnson Jr. for Mm -hmm. the Chicago Bears um, or Skaronsky one of these guys there's certainly a chance that you know they they might even if you look at B. John Robinson and the way that he has been hyped up at this point and you could swing at a guy like this um, and then potentially if you get that pick maybe make a trade after the pick maybe he doesn't remain a Chicago Bear you can continue to stockpile picks and that's what Ryan Poles has shown uh, the ability to do at this point uh, it looks like really the the overwhelming consensus would be an offensive tackle whether it be Paris Johnson uh, Jr. or you know one of these these other great young tackles out there like Skaronsky and Broderick Jones like we mentioned but Mm -hmm. but part of me does want that that edge rusher right uh, to come out in that first round and I know it's it's deep and the Bears do have those uh, second round picks so it'll be interesting to see what which way they go then too if they go strictly defense after drafting maybe a tackle there's just so many ways that this could play out right Ross? There is. And, you know, I think that regardless of where the Bears draft in the first round, I think this is going to be the the one year anniversary uh, as it all comes full circle for us. Gift from Ryan Poles to Justin Fields in, in the form of an offensive player, whether that is in a offensive lineman or potentially a wide receiver. And I, I think that 
Um, both positions could be in play either at nine or let's say they trade down at 17, right? You know, now you're looking at like maybe, uh, you know, Jordan Addison range or, or Zay Flowers or something like that. One of those wide receivers that are going to be probably still on the board after a guy like Quentin Johnson and Jackson Smith and Jigmar are gone. Right. But, um, you know, I, I keep circling. And, and then after that, I think that poll says, OK, now I need to appease my head coach again. We found two very solid football players in the second round last year on the defensive side of the ball and Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. Let's go back in there again for the second round. And I think the Bears will double dip and really beef up that front seven, which needs a lot of help right now. But this draft is very deep on the defensive line and at the edge rushing position. So I think if the Bears want to wait and address that in, in the in, in rounds two, I certainly can. I think they'll swing back around after that and probably look for another interior lineman, probably a center, because that center position is really thin right now. I don't trust Lucas Patrick uh, long-term to, to hold up as a starting center. But I do think that the first-round pick will be an offensive player. Then they're going to go heavy defense back-to-back and then probably circle back to offense again. Yeah, you talked about Lucas Patrick, who was uh, injured for a bit of last season too. And, and getting up there in age, there would be something to be said for – building this line for years to come, right? And and against the tough competition of the NFC North right now, when you have Detroit and, and the Vikings leading the way, have good protection for their quarterbacks and good running games there. Uh, who do you want to draft? What do you want the Bears to do? Remember, you can chime in in the comments section if you're watching live on YouTube. You can interact with us on Twitter as well. I, I agree with Ross. I think that off offensive line certainly needs to be addressed in the first round, whether they, they try to make a trade or not. And you talked about the sort of risers and fallers at this point, Ross, in your stock up, stock down um, segment. So have you seen movement there? I know you're, you're liking Darnell Wright. Have other guys fallen at all? What are you thinking? Yeah, last week I had um, Jackson Smith and Jigma sneak in there at the ninth overall. You know, the more that you kind of look at things and, and see things, I just don't think that he's going to be an option for, for them at ninth overall. I really think there's going to be offensive linemen uh, at that position. I still have Paris Johnson Jr. as the number one pick for them, um, just because I think that he is the most polished player. Obviously, he comes from the same school as, as Justin Fields. There's a little bit of, of, of a relationship there with them. Um, but the newcomer is Broder, is, is, is um, not Broderick Jones, is, is Darnell Wright, because, you know, you start to you know read the tea leaves a little bit. The Bears have had a couple visits with him. The Bears were able to meet with him at the Senior Bowl, and he wowed everybody. He impressed everybody. He's a massive human being, obviously. We see the stats here on the board, 6'5", 333 pounds. But when you look at him, when you put the tape on him, he's going to be a guy that can anchor the right side of your offensive line, which is the side that you're going to want to run a ton towards. You want to run. They want to stay run heavy, right? You want to run the football towards his side. He plays with a nastiness that not any other offensive lineman in this draft plays with. And I think that's the guy that Ryan Poles covets. I think he, when you hear him, remember, former offensive lineman, I think he wants nasty guys who want to bury people into the ground. And you put the tape on for Darnell Wright, that's exactly what he does. So Paris might be the most polished player in the draft, right? Left tackle side of things. Um and then Broderick Jones is probably the best athlete in the draft. He might have the best upside. But I think Darnell Wright is the most consistent guy. And I think that if they really like uh, Braxton Jones, like they say they, they do, and they want him to grow into that left tackle position, boy, you put those guys on bookends, the left side, the right side, you've got two tackles, theoretically, right, for the next 10 years. And, and, and that could be a lot of fun. So – as it stands right now, I think Darnell Wright is a is a really good option. And I think that um, if Ryan Poles thinks that he can get him a little bit later, right, you, you figure quarterbacks are probably going to go one through four in this draft. Right? It just looks like that's going to happen. Somebody's going to trade up, and, and somebody's going to go get Anthony Richardson. Somebody's going to overvalue Will Levi, and they're going to go up and get him. It, like, these quarterbacks are going to go one through four. We've just seen it. It's, a too, it's a, too much of a quarterback-heavy league. For that not to happen. Then a couple of defensive guys going off the board, the corners, two corners, right? Weatherspoon, the kid from, you know, Gonzalez. Then you're looking at a guy like Will Anderson, potentially Jalen Carter. And then like a tackle, like, like some of these tackles are going to get pushed down in the draft. And I really think that 
uh, Darnell Wright will be one. If you can get him maybe potentially at 17 and then swing back around at 32 and get a wide receiver or get the edge rusher like you're looking for, that's awesome. Now you're, now you're cooking with gas. Yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigma just seems like it doesn't really fit with what Ryan Poles is trying to do. After you filled a huge need in DJ Moore, you just spend that ninth overall pick on, I mean, the top wide receiver by by all stretches, but it's just a, a interesting take as far as, um, you know, the best player available at that portion. But but back to you, you were talking about Darnell Wright and his size and what he brings to the table and how he played very well against the likes of Will Anderson Jr. and, and B.J. Ojolari. And you look at the tape of this guy and he he's physical. And that's what you need. You need a mean guy who's, who's up there with, you know, I think Tevin Jenkins is in that mold too and Braxton Jones. So it, it can set the tone when you get a guy like that on that line uh, coming from Tennessee. He's His stock has been rising. So I wouldn't be mad at, at him or Paris Johnson Jr. at this point. I... You know, Ross, with the, the skill position players, I know that uh, we talked about, you know, Robinson sitting there and the others, other Bears needs in the second round. You know, are there some other names that you have in mind as far as maybe running back or wide receiver, even if they try to, you know, they're, they're already pretty set at tight end. Obviously, the, the Bears always yeah. seem to have two, three top quality tight ends who can pass block and uh, and run block and, and do it all. But, yeah, we're looking specifically at gadget wide receivers or, you know, someone to play alongside Khalil Herbert, spell him, I should say. Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing, running backs, I don't I don't think that, especially after signing Deontay Foreman, they might take a running back uh, that early in the draft. I think potentially maybe, you know, fourth round in there. But I keep circling back to Jordan Addison, who, uh, you know, he's it seems like right now he's going to slip out of the first round. That's a very possible, strong possibility. Um, but. This kid can play football. And listen, he caught passes from the the guy that will be the number one pick overall next year in, in, in Caleb Williams at, at USC. But he's a good route runner. He doesn't have top blown off speed. But guess what? This guy just gets open, and he is a good route runner. He's able to, to just – has a nose for the fo- football, makes tough catches, catches the ball in traffic, and he's good running after the catch. So you look at the Bears already, right? Big body receiver in DJ Moore kind of a guy that can blow the top off the field in, in Darnell Mooney. And then you got Chase Claypool, who's kind of like, uh, which one is he? He's kind of like a hybrid of both. But if you're able to bring a guy like Jordan Addison to that situation, number one, the more weapons you're going to have around Justin Fields, the better, right? That That's all we're looking for. Yeah. But it puts a lot of fire underneath guys like Mooney and Claypool. And, you know, you both of them have to get paid soon, right? And Ryan Poles can sit there and say, I don't have to pay both of you guys. You, you, one of you guys are going to have to fight it out this year and let me know which one you want me to pay. Because, you know, listen, we look around the league, receivers are expensive. Uh, Otto Beckham Jr. just got $15 million guaranteed, and he's coming off his second ACL tear, and he's approaching 30 years old, right? These guys are increasingly getting expensive. That's why the, the DJ Moore deal is such a great deal. I also like Jalen Hyatt a lot. Um, Jalen Hyatt is the wide receiver from Tennessee. He's more of like that gadget guy. He was uh, uh, Herdin Hooker's uh, number one guy. Um, I think he'll be there at the start of the second round or maybe the back end of the first round. So those are two guys that I, I like a lot that could put, you know, potentially the Bears do get that 32nd overall pick that they can take. There's a lot of talent coming in that second round too. Just talking about that aspect of the draft in day two where the Bears, if, if, you know, perhaps they don't go tackle overall, at uh, ninth overall, that is, then maybe they look in the second round, and it's it's pretty deep at that position, but look at edge rusher, too, and you could get a guy like B.J. Ojolari from LSU, um, you know, looking at running back, we talked about that. There's Byron Young from Tennessee, uh, who played opposite um, Jones, we were talking about, and, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a ton of depth, so day two should be very fun. I will say, too, and I've been looking at, at everybody's, stock rising and falling and i feel like will anderson's stock has kind of fallen for whatever reason you know the the great alabama standout who looked like maybe a number one overall pick for a while there until the the quarterbacks of course came to the combine and it's very quarterback centric league as we know but you know if he's at ninth ross do you really look at, at that position especially with your scenario with four quarterbacks going before the bears pick i think that's the the dream scenario for them so they have that potential to pick that best player available you consider I mean, that 
Yeah, listen, if 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 Will Anderson is sitting there at nine, I think you have to run up there and send that card in and, and, and take him. Um, just because he is the most complete defensive player in this draft. He is the best edge rusher. And in this league, it's a quarterback happy league. It's a pass happy league. You need two things, right? You need one guy to protect the quarterback, but then you also need a guy that's going to be able to attack the quarterback. And you look at that division, you saw what what um, um, what Hutchinson did to the Bears last year, and and how dynamic he was at the at the kind of at the end of the season there. And um, you know, you you start to look around the division and the conference. You see what the Eagles did last year, getting to the Super Bowl, most sacks as a defensive line of all time, right? How how helpful was that to a guy like Jalen Hurts last year? Micah Parsons and, and kind of the dynamic football player he's earned into. If for some reason Will Anderson is there, I'm certainly going to – at nine, I will 100% take him and, and figure out the rest of the draft going forward, right? Um, but, you know, I, I, but also you hit it on the head. There are guys that are going to be there, you know, in that second round that are also good rushers. Like Derek Hall is a guy from Auburn. I like – he's a good edge rusher. I like also um, – I. Forgive me, I'm not going to pronounce his name. I will try. Felix uh, Nduke Azuma, I think is how I say it. Um, but he's a really good. fun, yeah, he's a really fun edge rusher as well. Um, and then even like later, yeah, even later in the in the in the draft in the in the second round, like you know, Will McDonald and Andre Carter will be there too. You, it's funny you mentioned something though about tight end. It would not shock me if. Ryan Poles somehow, some way uh, drafted, you know, Sam Laporta. Uh, if, if he were able to start oh, wow. to slide a little bit, the Iowa tight end, he's got 6'3", he's 245 pounds. He is a pure route runner, and he he could go old school New England Patriots, you know, back when, you know, when, when Aaron Hernandez and Ron, Rob Gronkowski were on the field and try and put two tight end weapons out there and say to defenses, try and stop this now. Wow, that would be something, you know, obviously Iowa's churning out the best tight ends you can think of in the league with Kittle and, and uh, Hawkinson and the like. And uh, boy, and already when you have Cole Komet, who's one of the best up and coming tight ends. And then to boot, of course, you uh, have Bobby Tunyon out there as well. So there's there's a lot to dissect as, as we're getting two weeks away from the draft and anything is possible. But other NFL headlines, as, as we were talking here, breaking news that the commanders are going to be sold. There's a preliminary agreement to Josh Harris's group from the, the Snyders for about $6 billion. And we know it was a long time coming with uh, Dan Snyder selling the team. But, uh, man, the, the commander's going to be in new hands. And I think that Washington fans are, are pretty psyched that this is finally happening for, happening for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I mean... You know, to put it frank, Dan Snyder is a piece of shit. Yes. You know? So, you know, he, he's, he's, yeah, he, he's a piece of shit. He's not a good person. That whole commander situation has been a disaster. The stadium was a disaster. Remember, it, like, flooded and sewage and stuff a couple of years ago, and something fell down and almost collapsed on a player. And, um, you know, they it, it, it took them forever to, to change the name, despite the fact that people from that nationality were telling you they were offended by it. Um, and then not, yeah, yes, I love that quote. I'm gonna put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> um, and then top of all that, that, he just hasn't put a good product on the football field. You know, he, he hasn't right. done a good thing. And so, you know, you, you start to look at their, they're basically turning into the, um, underneath his, his tenure, they're basically the football's version of the Clippers. And we saw what happened, uh, with, um, 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 Donald Sterling, right, a couple of years ago, and he was forced to sell his team, right? And the Clippers, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, are better off under Steve Ballmer. So I love the the DMV area. It's an area that I went to, you know, near to college near at. Um, I got a lot of Commanders fans in my life. They are ecstatic about this today, so I'm happy for them. But it's like they, they just need a whole overhaul. They need a brand new stadium there. They need a whole new vibe there. And so it, they need the clean house Get a person that that knows analytics and that knows how to run organizations in there. Obviously, the new ownership he comes from the uh, owning the 76ers and also the New, new Jersey Devils. He's got a good pedigree right now. So, congrats to Commanders fans. I know they've been asking for this for a long time now. Um, I wish them nothing but luck and, and success going forward. And Dan Snyder hit the bricks, man. And, and listen, he's fine. He got six billion dollars out of this, right? So he, he's he's fine. Absolutely. And uh, Washington, first of all, certainly needs a quarterback. You figure that they'll mm-hmm. kind of take the mold of what 
Denver did when they changed ownership and go ahead and, and, you know, Ron Rivera on his way out and uh, then getting, yeah, they're addressing those two big needs. And I'm, I'm wondering where that will come from. And we, we saw finally too, that the OBJ sweepstakes came to an end and went to the Baltimore Ravens. And how Mm -hmm. about it? Lamar Jackson, not be happy with a franchise tag but he'd be pretty psyched about having an obj obj there i think he should have some good success there with the rest of those skill position players around him right ross he should and i mean you saw them they were they were partying in the club him and lamar jackson were partying in the club last the week right? so yeah. you know even Lamar jackson said a couple weeks ago i'm out i'm gone i'm not coming back here I don't think Odell Beckham Jr. signs that contract with them if he doesn't think that Lamar Jackson is coming back, which makes me feel like somehow, some way, the Ravens and Lamar are going to be able to work this out. And if they do, that's a great pickup for Lamar. I'm a huge Lamar Jackson fan. I think that he gets a ton of, of unwarranted, unnecessary shit, very similar to Justin Fields, because people don't, you know, they, they, they're so blinded by their running ability that they don't see that these guys are actually good quarterbacks and good throwers. Nobody has completed more passes from the pocket and thrown more touchdowns from the pocket and throw for more yards from the pocket over the last couple of years than a guy like, like Lamar Jackson, right? He is on that list with Pat Mahomes and, 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 and Aaron Rodgers and so on and so forth. Just because you don't like the way he does it doesn't mean that he still hasn't done it. And the stats and analytics back that up. So I do hope that he's able to work that out there because I, again, that's similar to the area DMV area, right? It's really fun um, to have Baltimore, uh, to have Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. And I just don't know where else he's going to go that he's going to have that good of a football team. Because if if he comes back to the Ravens next year with that defense and Odell Beckham Jr. and that running game, Ravens are tough, man. That's a tough team that that, that you're going to have to beat in that AFC North. Are you a little surprised that OBJ got that money, $18 million? He got the bag. I think so. I, I'm surprised. But then you start to look at, you know, it's it's a little bit of, of NFL GM chicanery. They added on four void years to the contract, so they kind of spread out the money a little bit. So Odell Beckham is going to get his, his $15 million, but he's going to get it Bobby Bonilla style. It's going to just be sprinkled in every now and then over a couple of years. I'm surprised that the Jets didn't match that because yeah. I, I think that if you are trying to complete this Aaron Rodgers deal at some point, it's been going on forever. Um, I think that he would have been the perfect weapon for Aaron Rodgers in New York. Um, you know, Odell is a guy that's used to playing in New York. Obviously these guys won a Super Bowl in LA. He's used to that limelight. I think he would have came in there and really lit it up. So I think the Jets really dropped the bag on that one. Mm. Interesting move on from the NFL, Ross. Let's talk about the Chicago Bulls and how they won last night in pretty incredible fashion. They beat the Raptors in a comeback win. They were down by 19 at one point. They won 109-105. They stunned Toronto on their home court. Uh, The refs and Drake be damned. Where was Drake? They had had Oakley there, but I don't know where Drake was. Yeah, I guess he doesn't show up for playing games. I only Eastern Conference (laughs) Championship games. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, he could have used him there. He, he would have uh, talked to DeMar DeRozan's daughter. Um, but it was it was a great second-half effort from the Bulls where it looked pretty typical of this Chicago Bulls team where they were getting handled. They didn't have an answer for Pascal Siakam, who was just causing problems for, for them throughout the game. Uh, Fred Van Vliet made seven threes. He shot 13 threes, but made seven of them. Uh, pretty incredible effort from them. And, and you know, Scotty Barnes was able to do his thing. OG Ananobi was able to do his thing. DeMar DeRosa had that chip on his shoulder mm-hmm. against his former team. He poured in 23 points, a really efficient night, shooting about 50% on the floor. It was very typical of the mid-range god. But it was really about Zach Levine, right, Ross, where we've seen him playing his seen him play his best basketball over this past, past month or so. And as much as you don't really want them to be in this position in the play-in tournament because it doesn't really do much for the future, you still think this is the player you paid this max money for, right? When you go and see him go off, uh, you take the nine points in the first half away, and the way he goes ahead and ends with 39, he was just making everything in that second half he wanted to. Part of me just held my breath every time, of course, he would go up just dribbled to the three-point line and just chucked these shots up. But, I mean, he had a great night. He, he just wasn't missing. Again, shooting over 50%, 50% uh, 
um, the threes when you needed them in that second half and the big plays when you needed them too. What's really important as a team to, to remember of how they beat the Raptors too is that defense, right? Where it, it, Caruso, who is one of the best defensive players out there, really locked down Patrick Williams, who doesn't have that huge effect offensively. Uh, he was really doing well defensively. And of course we know what Patrick Beverly can do um, in transition defense and, and just putting a pressure on, on any guy he's guarding in that, in that case, he was playing Siakam really well. It was a, a great effort from this Bulls team and uh, Billy Donovan can be proud of that. And now it, it earns them a spot to play for the eight overall seed against Miami tomorrow night. So what did, what'd you make of all this Ross? Yeah, to me, the, the biggest takeaway is, like you said, it's, it's Zach Levine. And, you know, ever since that Paris game that they had, he's been absolutely on fire. He's been playing uh, at an elite level. He's been playing at an all-star level. And um, it, it's it's what we've been asking for. It's what we've been wanting to see. I don't think he was healthy to start the year coming off of that knee injury that he had last season. Um, I think he finally got healthy. But, you know, listen, this is – 20-something-year-old players that, that can have that kind of offensive capability for a game, you know, shoot the three and drive and hit their free throws and stuff like that, those guys will just grow on trees. And, and so I know, you know, Zach was, was given a lot of shit for getting that max contract and, and, you know, people were upset, but he has lived up to it ever since that Paris game in January. And most importantly, I think the Bulls as a team realized that Going forward, if you're going to make any noise um, in the playoffs and the season and your foundation going forward, it has to be on the back of Zach Levine. He's too young. He's too talented. He is your max guy. He's the guy that has to be the focal point of this offense going forward. As much as I love DeMar DeRozan, you can start to see that that age is catching up to him. He's, he's, he's in his, you know, he's like 33 years old. You can tell the legs were going out a little bit, you know, towards the end of the season here. He just doesn't have that ability. And, and, I, and you know, listen, credit to Lamar, even yesterday, he stepped out the way and he let Zach cook, right? And he let Zach cook in in the city and against the team that that DeMar knows very well. And, and DeMar easily could have said, I'm going to take over this game and, and try and play hero ball. So I think DeMar DeRozan gets it. Um, I, it'd be interesting to see what this team looks like next year because in my opinion, I've been preaching about this for months now, if I were the Bulls, I would put shooters around Zach Levine and allow him to to you know dribble drive and kick and do his thing. I think he's a capable playmaker if you put shooters around him and get these big ass you know lurking bigs out of the paint. I love Vucevic, but he is too slow and unathletic and takes up too much space around the paint. So he has to stand out in the three point line. I want younger athletic bigs who can move, who can rim protect, who can rebound. And also can maybe occasionally step out and shoot the three. So the Bulls have to retool the roster a little bit. And in my opinion, it needs to be around number eight. Because as we saw last night, he goes on the heater like that. There's not too many guys in the league that are going to stay up. They're going to be able to stick with him. Vucevic, very frustrating to watch throughout it's that game for me. He gets, gets his double-doubles uh, without blink of an eye. But just watching him, it, it just seemed like he would fuck up spacing repeatedly and always calling for the ball and the, and the Bulls players just not, no, just not trying to pass to him at that point. I mean, mm -hmm. again, double, double, I guess he's collected some big rebounds, but that's all you're getting from your, your big, big guy, your third, third of the big three in this uh, situation between DeRozan, Levine and Vucevic. You look like the Bulls would certainly want to let go of it, but looking into this, Next game against the Heat, uh, you're going to need him to bring it. You're going to need this this backcourt to play as well as they did. Credit to the, the bench, of course, too. When you look at Kobe White and how well he played, um, you don't see you didn't see a lot of Io Desunmu. You wonder if he would be playing a little bit more minutes. Uh, surprising, but Caruso not a huge impact offensively. But what you sign him for is that defensive presence, and he was really uh, great in that aspect and, and he poured in a, a couple assists as well just really that that guy who has reckless abandonment for his body it was impressive but the real mvp was demar Derozan's daughter who was screeching throughout the game it caused the raptors to shoot 50 percent at the line these are professional basketball players these are the best in the world and this i don't know 11 year old girl 10 year old girl i don't know how old she is was screaming Ask it. She's nine. She's nine. Better. Yeah. Dia DeRozan. Dr. Dr. DeRozan just 
screaming her head off. Uh, it was hysterical. And of course, ESPN finally picked it up and they would have the side by side and seeing guys like Siakam miss and, and all these uh, Raptors players when they were making big shot after big shot. If she doesn't, if she's not there, they probably don't win this game, right? Because it was so close. It was a four point game. Uh, that was it's pretty incredible. It's it's so awesome. It's cool to see. Look at how stealth she is with it, and she's like yeah. like timing it perfectly. Look at her. She's. <laughs> I love this so much. Yeah, the timing I love this so much. Yeah, I mean, we know that Demar is a. And there were a lot of good tweets and memes that came out of that too. Like my, my, my newborn, when I put her down for a nap, things like that. And yes. it was incredible. Like a good, good showing for DeMar. Good for him. You know, bring, he's always brings his family to, to mm -hmm. these games and, and they always show out and they're going to need a lot of help when they go up against Miami. I know it was mentioned in, in the comments too, that, that the bulls are three and zero against Miami uh, this season and Miami, if you watched any of, that game the other night when they so just got yeah just got handled by a Hawks team that was pretty middling. I, I don't get this Heat team when you know they're a couple years removed from that bubble, you know finals that we saw and Jimmy was playing out of his mind. But there's something's missing here. I know they they got Kyle Lowry, but it it, it doesn't look like the chemistry is completely there for for the Heat between. Butler and Adebayo. I don't know what was happening uh, in that game, but I like the Bulls' chances going into Miami and and p potentially getting this eight seed. I do too. I think the Bulls match up really well with Miami. Listen, Miami's old. You, that's the really biggest thing. Is is Jimmy Butler is a is a very physical basketball player. He's got a lot of miles on his tires. He he misses twenty to twenty five games a year at this point. His legs looked flat the other night, and Kyle Lowry is is old. And, and you know they've got like the corpse of Kevin Love on their roster right now. These guys are just really old and, you know, they're not able to, to do the things that they do anymore. I'm a big Bam Adebayo fan. That was one of the worst games that I've seen him play in a long time the other night. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, Miami as itself, as a roster, you know, the run that they've had with this team and, and they had a great run. They, they took it all the way to, you know, that bubble NBA finals, which, you know, they, they almost beat the Lakers, right? They were on the brink there. Um, they took out this young Celtics team that is is now an, an NBA championship caliber team. Um, but I, th I think that Miami team is done. I think after this season, there are going to be a couple teams in the NBA that are going to blow some things up and look very different. I think Miami is one of them. I think the Bulls saw a team last night that's going to be another one in the Toronto Raptors. I think that team is going to blow up a lot of their, their guys. So I fully expect the Bulls to go in there tomorrow night and to be able to put points up on this Miami Heat team, but also be able to shut them down defensively and uh, and move forward to to Milwaukee. You know that is a whole different story right there because you're running <laughs> into the the Greek beast, the Greek freak, and uh, that Milwaukee team. Uh, if if they don't get to the NBA Finals, I will be shocked and appalled. Let's just say that. I certainly would be too. I and mean, we're going to talk about our finals projections and all that shortly. Here is the, is the play, rest of the playoffs will start later this weekend but as far as another game here <laughs> a lot of this plays into momentum and, and the Bulls have that confidence right now where they went into the raptors stadium and and they were able to the re arena and they were able to do their thing and and to come from behind like that that says a lot and they're certainly not going to want to play in that situation where they're coming from behind but if zach levine and DeRozan can play that well and and have a somewhat better performance from not only the bench, but Vucevic and these other guys, then, then they could certainly get that eighth seed. And, and Milwaukee, that's the toughest draw, obviously, right? They're number one seed for, for a reason. They're just incredible. They went on 10 game win streaks, 12 game win streaks this season. And Giannis is, is just this transcendent player. It's, it's just, you know, it doesn't serve the bulls to get that eighth seed, right? It's not like they're most likely going to knock off, um, the Bucks, but you see what you have, especially in this backcourt where you know Lonzo Ball was supposed to be this big piece that would help the Bulls defensively and offensively and help them get get this together and turn this franchise around. Uh, but but a guy like Vooch, whose contract is up next year, you got to figure out what to do with him as well. But uh, it all goes down tomorrow night against Miami. Who do you like? You like the Bulls? I like the Bulls tomorrow night. Absolutely. I think the Bulls will win that game. Like I said, I think this is a good matchup with them. They've won, you know, the, the regular season series. 
And uh, I think the Bulls have been playing much better basketball the last two months where the Heat have not. And uh, I fully expect them to, to win this game. And, uh, you know, I think that makes uh, game one of the uh, of the one versus eight probably either be probably be Monday. I think that will shape up to be a Monday, which means we'll get two home games in Chicago probably by next weekend. Yeah, it'd be something to watch. And the rest of these play-in games have, have been pretty exciting to watch as well. Um, yeah, Sunday, I should say. That would be the first game against the the Bucks, And then, you know, like I said, the Heat playing the Bulls tomorrow, hosting the Bulls. Uh, but if you watched the Thunder game last night, that was really exciting as well. And and one of the best young players out there, Shade Gilgis Alexander, played his ass off. Uh, it was a game I fell asleep to, but he was really playing well, of course. And... It, you know, that's a, a sneaky good Thunder team, right? Where they, uh, you know, we're middle of the road record and, and it's been a while since they've had that sort of success where you saw, you know, when Kevin Durant was there and Westbrook and Harden, of course. So it's kind of just been treading water until this comes along. And then on the opposite end, playing New Orleans, Brandon Ingram had to carry a lot of that load without Zion Williamson. And what what a turnaround for this Pelicans team that showed a lot of promise when Zion was playing earlier this season, but it's just setback after setback, and and you don't know what's going to happen uh, as far as that's concerned. But it, it was those two really dueling down the stretch and a tough end for the Pelicans, not what they wanted. But you look at Shea uh, Gilders Alexander and this team playing Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Minnesota, man, just blew that game against the Lakers when they had them right where they wanted, and that was just it really it looked a lot like the Raptors – Last night, just crumbling, the the Timberwolves led by something like 20 at one point as well. Credit to the Lakers clawing back, and you figured LeBron and company, that's exactly what they wanted. Uh, but, yeah, have you enjoyed the play-in? Is it is it sort of growing on you to an extent, the rest uh, of it? I, listen, I, I don't mind it. Those were two good basketball games. Um, we didn't even talk Last about night, Rudy, Rudy Gobert punching oh, a teammate from Sunday night. He's eligible um, tomorrow. Yeah, he's going to play tomorrow, um, which I, it's it, it's a bad matchup for him. Awkward. The, yeah, the Thunder play a, a lot of positionless basketball. I don't mind it. It's it's fun. I, it's it's weird. Like none of these statistics, don't, they don't even count. So like whatever Zach Levine <laughs> yesterday is, is technically like like not a playoff statistic. It's just really weird. Um, but I get it. The, the NBA is is out there trying to get some more money, get a couple of dollars. So it's fine. I, I, I want the real thing to start, though. I'm really excited for the game sure. starting on Saturday. We get a whole awesome slate of games starting at like 2.30 in the afternoon. And then the nightcap is 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 the one I'm looking for, Kings Warriors. And that is going to be the, let's just say, the over-under for that game already is set at 238 points. And uh, I, I think we might get the over for that one. You're going to see an onslaught of points. Kings led the, the league this year in offense. You know what the Warriors can do. They're getting Andrew Wiggins back. He hasn't played in, in nearly three months. He's going to play on Jeez. game one this Saturday. And so uh, that's that's a battle of, of, of California cities, not, you know, named L.A. or Sacramento or, or Sacramento, uh, not named L.A. or San Francisco. Excuse me. Technically, the Warriors are in Oakland. And then Sacramento is just a little bit north right of of oakland if i have my geography correct um so that's gonna be a very fun series i'm looking forward to that one look at all four california nba teams making the playoffs with the the lakers making uh, that play-in game uh i should say winning that play-in game and now look at them they're ready to play Mm -hmm. and lebron's old ass of course gets his his rest until sunday and when they're gonna face off against memphis yeah that whole rudy gobert situation it just for the guy you paid so much money for and to get into it with kyle anderson uh and for them to suspend him for that game i Probably could have used him certainly down the stretch there, but I I don't think I've seen a team collapse like Minnesota has in a long time. Look, just completely fucking out of place. There was like a seven minute span where they didn't make a basket. It was just atrocious. Whereas Carl Anthony Towns had been making everything uh, throughout that earlier portion of the game and spreading the ball around. Just they just came to a grinding halt. And the Lakers, you know, look at them being a pretty dangerous. Seven seed against this Grizzly, the young Grizzlies team, who was one of those favorites to come out of the West. But you know, in the in the overall picture, we like the Nuggets and, and the Suns. Certainly, with KD, they're a favorite to outright win the West. They'll probably just go right past the Clippers. All due respect to 
Kawhi and company over there, but you know, the Bucks we talked about at length, and whoever they play is in for a buzzsaw. Like the Celtics in the East, that young Cavs team is good, but the Warriors can't sleep on them, especially when they're going to get healthy right now. If you got to pick a finals, what do you got, Ross? Who do you like? What two teams? I definitely have the Bucks uh, out of the Eastern Conference. I just don't think that anybody uh, there can match up with Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think they're the best defensive team in the East, led by Drew Holiday. Um, they've got Brook Lopez, who is a defensive year candidate. Bobby Portis comes off the bench, former Bull. He's a six-man-of-the-year candidate. They're just too, too deep, I think, for anybody to match up with them. And, and I don't know who's going to be able to slow down Giannis in the playoffs. The West is more intriguing. They're, they're that the West is wide open. Technically, the Nuggets are the favorites, um, but you know it, their style of basketball in the playoffs does not really you know suit well to me. Um, you cannot rule out Kevin Durant and the Suns. The Suns have not lost a game that Kevin Durant has played with them since they acquired him. So that's a scary thing. Um, but I'm actually going to pick the Golden State Warriors, and because I think that this is the defending champs. I think that those guys are looking for – this is not quite their last dance, uh, it, but but it's getting close to it. But I think getting Andrew Wiggins wow. back changes the complexion of everything for that team. And it's really tough for me to bet against um, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, who's been playing very well. Draymond Green has secretly another really good season. And um, you put Wiggins back in that situation, and, boy, it, it just changes the whole complexion of what they're able to do. And they've done it before. Right. So give me the team that has been there before. Remember, they kicked it in the high gear last year. And nobody thought that they can do it. Um, I fully expect for them to, to be able to go on the road and take out some of these teams. It just takes a few stuff heaters. That's yeah. something that we've seen a bazillion times at this point. Right. Sure. And Clay Thompson has been playing out of his mind. One of the mm -hmm. best seasons we've seen from him and, and between him and Steph, those are two of the best uh, shooting, you know, obviously Steph, just one of the best shooters of all time, both of them. Uh, it's just been nuts to watch. And then Wiggins is going to have to hit the ground running. You talk about him missing pretty much all of this season uh, to come back at this time. That's still, like like we talked about, that's going to be a tough series with the Kings who haven't been to the playoffs in God knows how long. They're hosting the Warriors 7.30 on ABC on Saturday night. As far as my prediction, out of the East, I, I know you got to give a lot of credit to the Bucks, of course, having been there before. But that team that can get over the hump, I'm not talking Celtics, it's the 76ers. And it looks like Embiid should be the MVP this year, has been leading the way. And you look at those close games against the other powers of the East, against the Celtics and against the Bucks. They played them really closely, and I, I know most recently they, they lost to the Bucks in, in pretty sound fashion. But those, those games against the Celtics – have been uh, pretty fun to watch. And James Harden, he might be that difference maker, right? It's yeah. at this point where you got to figure these stars will show out. And to that end, out of the West, I, I do like the Suns. It's the big asterisk with Kevin Durant, right? And it would be a hell of a series to watch the Suns and the Warriors match up. And then on the other side, if you see Sixers, Bucks, you know, that would be an incredible Eastern Conference Finals and Western Conference Finals. And B, you talk about these teams, again, the chemistry and their coaching. Doc Rivers trying to get them over the, the, the hump. Uh, that's huge. Um, you know, a lot of credit to, to to Chris Paul and the way that that Suns team is uh, compiled, though, man. So I would, I would go Suns and Sixers at this point if I was to go with the finals. I like it. I like it. I just love – I love play, playoff basketball. I love play, playoff basketball because it lets you know that summer is a lot, you know, on the wrong, around the way, too. And um, I love having that 80-degree weather and throw a little something on the grill and then crack a beer and then actually watch, like, a meaningful playoff game. That's that's awesome. So I can't wait for it to get started this weekend. We even got a big fight on Saturday, right? Uh, we even took, you know, Javante Davis is fighting on Saturday night. So uh, sports is – It's Ryan Garcia, right? Yeah, absolutely. Sports is kicking around. We, we, we got a good sports weekend ahead of us. We do. Uh, MMA, I mean, look at last week, man. That was uh, – that was Pretty insane. Um, thing, yeah, matchups there. But uh, as far as boxing is concerned, you know, we're, we're waiting for that next big heavyweight fight. But this Ryan Garcia and, and Gervonta Davis fight should be something else. Mm -hmm. Wrapping up here. And do you like it, Embiid, as far as MVP goes? I know that we talk about, you know, he's, he's the scoring leader and that doesn't do everything. Um, certainly, I, I feel like some people are arguing for some reason 
that you know you don't want uh, Jokic to win for whatever reason because it, it taints the, the award or whatever. But between Embiid and and excuse me, uh, yeah, yeah, Jokic and then Luka Doncic, you could put up there. I think it'd be Embiid or 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 Jokic or Giannis. I suppose you could put up there, but it's got to be Embiid. Nobody else at this point, right? Yeah, I think Embiid stepped up the last couple months and he took that trophy away from uh, Jokic. Jokic had it for a long time. And um, I, I think the criticism for Jokic was silly. You know, we've seen guys the likes of Larry Bird and Michael Jordan, you know, you know, win three in a row and stuff like that. He was having that good of a year. Um, and he kind of fell off a little bit and Embiid came up and took it. I still think that even with both those guys having their MVPs, I would pick Giannis Antetokounmpo as the best player in the game right now anyway. You know, and, and so it, it goes back to show you like, is it the best player of the league award? Is it the MVP award? Like, which where do you play? It reminds me of when Carl Malone won two, uh, you know, back-to-back MVPs, uh, but Michael Jordan was the best player on the planet and beat his ass twice in the NBA Finals, you know? So I, I think that people go with narrative sometimes and get a, little, get a little bored with these kind of awards, and they find a, way, a new way to talk themselves out of a player. But Joel Embiid is worthy. This guy's is battling sure. his ass off. This guy's a top overall pick. For, for the 76ers, he's a part of the process, right? And he, then he had the injury. He's had multiple injuries in his career. And the way he, he's been able to solidify that situation there um, through the Markel Fultz stuff and the Ben Simmons stuff oh and, the, you know, James yeah. Harden and this and that and you know, Doc Rivers and stuff, and he's you know, part of the tanking. It would be cool to get him see that, to see that award. He, he's very deserving of it. Another and foreign I, player, too. Another foreign uh, yeah. player gets an award. Right. And then circling back to the finals, Philly, the Philly, the 76ers get there and then, of course, lose because Philly is cursed right now, just like the Eagles and the Phillies uh, losing in the big games. That would be just devastating for my Philly fam out there. Uh, Ross, you know, wrap, wrapping up here. I know we're, we're neither of us are the biggest hockey fans in the world, but we got to tip our hats to Jonathan Taze playing his last game in a Blackhawks uniform tonight. And I mean, obviously what can you say between, we just said goodbye to Patrick Kane just weeks ago. And now to, to see the captain gone is playing in his last game. It just kind of, it just sucks because you know, the abyss is here for the Hawks for, for the foreseeable future, but win, helping win them three cups and just being one of the best hockey players on the planet, uh, just a, a job well done. And wherever you start to finish out your career, um, I mean, obviously, you're, you're retiring him and Kane's numbers right next to each other at the United Center very soon, I would think. He should go down in history as one of the the 20 best Chicago athletes of all time. He was that important. He was that good. Um, very stoic individual on and off the ice. Um, great leader. Those cup runs were fun in Chicago. Everybody had a blast. Um, you know, he's had the health stuff over the last year, the, the long COVID and stuff like that. Um, I hope he gets everything that's coming to him tonight with all the fanfare and applause and love in United Center. And, um, yeah, like you said, they're going to put 19 in the rafters in United Center. You'll never be able to wear that jersey again. This guy's going to be a legend in this city uh, as long as he's still alive. So, you know, he, he's an amazing player, an amazing guy, and um, it's, it's, it's cool to at least see him take one more ride uh, in a Hawks jersey. And I selfishly hope – I mean, I don't want to ever say a guy's career should be over, but – I selfishly hope he doesn't ever put it on another jersey again. As, as you know, I don't, I don't want to sure. see him play for, you know, I don't know, another team, Toronto or, or something like that. I, I hope that this is it for him and he can stay, uh, he can retire forever as a Blackhawk and, and just, you know, live life and, and have a blast with his family. Yeah, I, I think that it was the same with Kane where to see him in a Rangers jersey is just so weird. It, it would be sure. just it would not be in good taste. Uh, I saw Jonathan Taze on, on the street once and yelled at him. He did not wave back. Yeah, nice. <laughs> showing clips of that, the winter very, classic game where, yeah. Very um, guy. Yeah. Yeah. The same. So what else Ross, as we finish up your white socks is not looking good. All these oh, injuries Andrews. stacking up and it's not even 10 games into the season. What the hell is happening? Tim? Yeah. The injuries are tough right now, which it seems to be a a common thread, a common theme every year for the White Sox. So um, hopefully they can get healthy here soon. They're going to have to tread water for a few weeks until they get guys back out there. Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez, Juan Mancada, so on and so forth. We do this every single year. So, um, I, I, you know, every year you feel like this is going to be a a very impactful, fun year and, and we go through this. So, 
I hope it all gets better. Um, but you know, speaking of of, um, of of being out of it, you you a Succession guy? Did you watch Succession on Sunday? Yeah, I did. Spoiler uh, alert to, to those yeah, who didn't, but quite yeah, but quite a quite an end to to the great Logan Roy. There was a there was like a fake obituary in the uh, obituary in the L.A. Times, I think <laughs> they yes, ran for it too. And one of the best characters, certainly in the HBO universe, but in uh, you know in television dramas that we can think of for sure rp to to logan roy and uh i I just try to channel him whenever i say fuck off (laughs) (laughs) and one of the best um one of the best episodes of tv i've ever seen like like in the last 20 years it was very well i was was very well acted all all of the kids in that episode were just amazing the way they acted that episode and uh It, it makes for a very intriguing last seven episodes of the series. I mean, it's called Succession for a reason. There's so seven after this? God damn. Seven left. It was, that was only episode three of the last season. So there's seven yeah. left. We need to find out who will be the uh, the successor. The succession the person. Successor. The successor. And, um, whoever gets it, they should, uh, at the end of it, say, saddle up your meatloafs. I was told. Oh, you slid that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then we, you know, we're seeing Snowfall coming to an end in their last season as well. It's it's a couple episodes left. This is the second to last episode tonight. Here, lots of good television going on. Are you a Ted Lasso guy? We talked about this. I'm a Ted Lasso guy. I have not started this season That's yet. Season. I always wait to. I wait to. I always wait to binge, binge it. it. Yeah. Don't want to binge it. That's fair. That's yep. fair. Uh, Cubs, you know, circling back to baseball, they're they're doing the, the usual Cubs things. Um, mm-hmm. That is it's unfortunate. Yep. But yeah, we got baseball here. We got our fake summer. I'm all it's, for it. Uh, man, the weather's been perfect. Hope everybody's getting out there and enjoy it. We're gonna get a little bit of a cool down again. So, but it'll be back. It'll be back. There's there's nothing better than uh, summertime Chicago. There's no city in the world that is better than summertime Chicago. It's a blast. We're getting this crazy NASCAR race like six blocks away from my house, all through downtown Chicago this summer. That's gonna be freaking nuts. These road closures are are bananas. Like, yes. Yes, Lori. Lori's middle finger on the way out. <laughs> like, <laughs> enjoy this. That's right. That's right. Enjoy this but, shit show and yeah, enjoy all these rednecks. <laughs> yeah, but certainly back. I'm excited for the uh, for the NFL draft in two weeks. It's going to be a very fun night, right? By about yeah. this same time, two weeks from now, we'll be getting uh, to get the draft going. I think it's a, uh, a consensus at this point that Bryce Young will be the first overall pick for the Panthers. Uh, but then the draft's going to start after that. We don't know what the Texans are going to do. Some people could start saying it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to take a quarterback at the second overall pick. Maybe they tank this out this year and, and try and get Caleb Williams next year, right? And they draft a defensive player like Will Anderson or something like that. So I'm excited for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're going to have to talk to Aldo and see what kind of draft coverage we're, we're, we're going to do. I know you and I are even contemplating going down to Soldier Field. Uh, right. For the first round that evening, I'm not opposed to that, and, and maybe doing a little live hit or something like that from from there. So we'll see. Yeah, we shall see. And thanks to everybody for chiming in. If we didn't get to your comments, we we apologize, but uh, we've appreciated all the input and thanks for the support over this year with the Barroom Network, of course. And sure. I'm gonna go out and get Ross some some paper, paper. and I'll skip the, the second year. I I won't give him cotton. I'll give him perhaps sandalwood. I want that paper that was in the spiral notebook and you tear it and all the little things were on the side. <laughs> that was fun. Fun to mess with. I can do that for you. That sounds you cheap and effective. Hey, we'll meet for a beer this weekend. I'll do there you one go. better. There you go. Uh, th- again, thanks to everybody for chiming in. Hit the like and subscribe button. You've been watching live on YouTube. We appreciate it. Uh, watching our beautiful faces. Uh, Ramble on here and follow us on Twitter. Follow me at the real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. You can catch all of our previous episodes on Spotify, on iTunes, wherever you get your your audio, your media. Thanks to Aldo for directing, producing all that. And tonight at eight thirty Central Time, it's a mock draft night at the bar room. Danny Neal and Aldo reveal their first and only mock drafts on the new episode of Draft on Tap. Lots of programming to come, a lot of Bears-centric programming to come from the Barroom Network here in the next couple weeks. And, yeah, two more weeks till the draft. Here we go. Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Be good to each other, most of all. And so long, everybody.